Hello, welcome to Riot Act, the alternative music podcast. This is the Rioters Review. My name is Stephen Hill. Uh, my friend's name is Renfrey Deadman. Hello. We're friends, aren't, we're friends, aren't we? Yeah, I'd say so. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I agreed. What do you... Oh. Yeah, I said, yeah. Okay. Well, well, you're so far away. No, I know. You're so far away from me, Steve. Oh, that, that, that's what it is, is it? <laughs> because I'm so far away. Oh, God. Well, no, this, enough, welcome to the enough. last Rioters review ever. <laughs> uh. <laughs> no, it's fine. You've it's just... Fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. okay, prior to this recording, you've just been having a big go at a friend of mine. <laughs> yeah, but he's not my friend. No, he definitely is that, is that made you go, I have to pick one or the other? <laughs> I'd like to think you'd pick... If it's me or that cunt, I'd like to think you'd pick me. I think I would pick you. Well, yeah, I, good. I think I would pick you. you fucking Alice. better, dude. Yeah. Okay, anyway. Uh, anyway. Um, anyway, enough about uh, that. Uh, <laughs> let's move on. Thank you very much for... Um, if you have... If you're listening to this on patreon.com forward slash riot podcast and you have submitted some money uh, and have come here and uh, we are very grateful of that. <laughs> what? Uh, wow. That was rubbish, wasn't it? Uh, <laughs> thanks very much for your contribution if you're listening on our Patreon page. Um, why not, if you're only giving us a pound, we appreciate your pound, but why not upgrade to the £5 tier where you can get our Classic Albums series, which has the likes of Radiohead, Pink Floyd, Marilyn Manson, and uh, Guns N' Roses so far. And Sepultura. And Sepultura, yeah, Renfrey's... I'm sorry, I'm, I'm the checking the release schedule. schedule to make sure if that was <laughs> yeah. true or not. Because as and we're recording, Sepultura. it's not actually out, but yes, it will be out by the it time. It will be. All right, sweet. Oh, so um, but as I said, you know, you can do that. If you're listening to this for free, why don't you go over to our Patreon page, patreon.com patreon forward slash right act podcast. Because at this point, if you listen to this for free, we have got about 50 album specials. We've got about a thousand rioters reviews and you are way, you are way behind my friend, way, <laughs> way, way behind. Um, so today uh, we are going to be taking another one of our suggestions from one of our patrons. This is a suggestion from James Corbett, who has very excellent, excellently picked the album. You're a woman. I'm a Machine, the debut record from Death From Above 1979, which was released um, on the 26th of October 2004, uh, which doesn't, when I say that, it seems, it sounds like a long time ago, but it doesn't, to me, doesn't feel like a long time ago, weirdly. 16 years. 16 years. Where's it, where's it gone? Where's it gone? Uh, where time normally goes. Um behind you <laughs> behind you i don't well know if that's true you. i i don't know i don't know it's time linear i don't know who knows who knows but all i do know is i've i have a very distinct um and very clear memory of getting this album and listening to this album and it doesn't feel like 16 years ago well this is well, this is where we differ steve because i never picked up this album at the time and um what i knew that but i wanted it for drama <laughs> What? God, it's like you went to drama school or something. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, not only that, but um, I actually hadn't sat down and listened to this record until it was suggested to us on Writer's Review. No. And I have to say, I do feel a bit stupid because it's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. pretty good. Um, they, here's how we are different because... You are, are, are aware of um, the physical world and outrages now. Outrages now. They're they're not. The, I mean, you are aware of the physical world, the concept, <laughs> the albums. Right, right. You meant the, uh, you meant you meant their second and third record. Yes, I their see. second and third album, which has got a big old. Gap when you were of saying, like I was, when you were saying, I was aware of the physical world. I was wondering what territory are you going into? It sounded like you no, were going I mean, into some sexy rent territory. <laughs> yeah, not not really. Um, <laughs> But you're looking at a 10-year gap between debut album and second album. Yeah. Which is pretty mental. Yeah, yeah And what yeah. is kind of mental about it is, as we will discuss, I was bang into this band back then. And yet I have never listened to either The Physical World or Outrages Now. Have you not? Oh. No. No. I don't know why either. Oh, huh. good. <laughs> I, I imagine they will be. <laughs> you should yeah. listen to them. Yeah. I wonder why that is. 
You should, well, you should, I, I, I don't know. You should listen to them. I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. There's a song on Outrageous Now. Is it Freeze Me? I think it's Freeze Me, something like that. That's really decent. That was like the first single. I got um, sent... Uh, do you remember those old vinyls that you could only play them like 12 times and then they deteriorate? Those kind of plastic um, floppy vinyls. Floppy vinyls. Yeah. They do, actually. Same people, same people who... who re-release lateralis isn't it <laughs> they used to um yeah they used to like give them away on magazines and enemy and stuff like that but it would just be oh uh, yeah they did really floppy there is actually a word for it and it is not floppy vinyls i must say uh but they um yeah they that you can play them maybe 20 times maybe 30 and then they will basically disintegrate um mm. kind of cool but uh yeah but i got freeze me on um on that floppy vinyl and then oh fuck it i'm gonna go into this story even though it's a total um uh detour um dave larkin from black peaks was initiated into the band as their new bassist in my room in this very room that i am recording in at the moment and it was such a joyful moment i wanted to give him a present uh to um oh why why have you got your head in your hands it sounds already sounds funny that you're going to give him. I mean, presume, <laughs> I, I'm I'm predicting what's about to happen, basically. Well, I gave him the the he likes death from above, 1979. So I gave him that single. I didn't I didn't ask the rest of the Black Peaks guys to leave the room so I could go through an initiation ceremony or anything like that. Which you would have no right to do, is you know, despite you weaseling your way onto a tour bus all the time, <laughs> you're not in Black Peaks. <laughs> Just accept it. Oh, so, well, I'm you're sorry. not in Black Peaks. You're not in Heck. You know, just accept you're not in those bands. I'm sorry three. that I have friends in the industry, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My but apologies. You, 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 <laughs> yeah. You already know what I think about one of your friends. Yes, in the yes, yes. Go on. Um, let's get on with this. But, yeah, let's get on with this. So, oh, that's a nice present to give uh, Dave Larkin yeah. from Black Peaks. Yeah. Well done. But um, we should probably kind of curtail the chat. Mm on those records as i think somebody suggested um outrages now uh, for another time oh i think it was the physical world i think it was the physical world actually yeah yeah yeah. okay i knew it was one of the other two all right fine so i will be listening to that at some point but let's talk about you're a woman i'm a machine now as i said october 2004 for those of you who are familiar with my sort of uh journey in music that would have been bang in the around the time where i was listening to the likes of uh indie bands the kasabians and all that kind of stuff when i was bang into that so it was before i would have bought like i i often cite ascendancy by trivium and particularly leviathan by mastodon um and like from master cirrus by gujira as the albums that kind of got me back into properly heavy music but what i did have was a group of friends who were um going on a similar sort of journey as as i was although i was mostly buying stuff that was getting in the charts to be honest whereas they were digging underneath a little bit and they would buy me the cds for christmas or my birthday and um i think one of them got me fortet one year when I'd, I'd never heard of fortet before i didn't know anything about them they got me a fortet um album which i thought was very good and my friend laura for my birthday my would have been my 25th birthday got me you're a woman i'm a machine by death from above 1979 now ex member laura yeah that's ah. correct yeah the guitarist the guitarist in in Stegel at the time i know laura she's lovely yeah she's very nice and she's uh she bought me some really good albums over the years mm. i have to say mm. she got me justin timberlake's justified, justified. a couple oh, of yes. years yes. a couple of years before yep. which good um she bought me death and above 1979 and i was like okay well i'm sort of aware of this band but they're like a sort of hipster because you know two pieces at that time winnebago deal obviously white stripes was massive um there were a fair few of these lo-fi duos hanging around lightning bolt as well had been around for a bit who are quite different probably the close but yeah what to the other two that i mentioned um well you mentioned white stripe i mean i i would call I would understand why people would put white stripes in the sort of garage rock um, arena. It's not strictly the whole story, but you know, that garage rock thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't see lightning bolt as garage rock. It's not lo-fi enough. It's too. No, no. I I think 
Death and Above probably have a lot more in common with Lightning Bolt um, than know? they do. Well, than <clears throat> they do with the White Stripes. Maybe, yeah. Mm, they seem they seem to be the halfway house between the two, almost. Well, um, a, a website. Re, re, I've forgotten what website it was now, but um, hold on, let me just double check exactly okay. what website it was because my mate. I've just tweeted about this album a little bit ago, and my mate Sean said, "This is a great record," but Buddy Head called them Politening Bolt. Really? <laughs> uh, I think it's pretty good. It, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, yes, I, I, I can kind of see it. I mean, I, I would have never Lightning Bolt. I view as a noise rock band primarily. I would never, uh, um, you know, Death from Above can get pretty fucking noisy, but I, but I wouldn't describe them as a noise rock act first and foremost. Mm. Do you know what I mean? No, no. I mean the first song. What um, is it? Turn it out. What's the first song on this record? That it fucking is, filthy yeah. riff. It is is approaching that kind of noise rock kind of thing um probably my favorite song on the record as well but yeah i I think there's quite a massive sonic difference between lightning bolt and uh death from above i saw death from above at brixton academy a few years ago i can't imagine lightning bolt as much as i like him i can't imagine lightning bolt ever playing brixton academy you know no me neither but this is the kind of the interesting thing which i think we'll get into <clears throat> about death from above as we continue oh. down the road of this conversation yeah so i got it and i was a bit like oh is this band any good because they seem a bit i mean in my head they seemed like i said they i knew they were a duo they seem to be a bit more of a hipster thing they seemed a bit more kind of atp than uh, totally. what I was listening to, listening to at the time. So, I, I just to interject quickly, I think that's part of the reason I didn't listen to this record at the time. Or like, um, in fact, that that and the fact that they were lumped in with that garage rock thing, which I don't think is entirely inaccurate. And by that point, I, I'd had a, I was a little bit fed up of the garage rock thing, to be totally honest with oh, you. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, there'd I, been yeah. A, a lot of this. We have, you know, the White Stripes, the Datsuns. Um, would you put the Strokes the in there? Vines, the, the Vines, strokes, the Vines, yeah. the Hives. The, well, the Hives became big around this time. Certainly, Black Keys were beginning to get some traction. You know. Mm. Oh yeah, there's another one. Do you know, <clears> isn't it? <clears throat> yeah, exactly. And and I just whilst this record came out and it was really well, well like really well reviewed in some cases um i was just like ah oh, another garage rock band i just can't really be asked which was a bit of a silly thing to do in retrospect but um yeah it, it really was it really felt very saturated with that kind of lo-fi garage rock type thing at the time yeah, so that was why I kind of didn't initially pay them much attention, and it took Same. me it would have been five months until the record after the record came out that I actually got it. Repl but when I yeah, got it, replaced months with years for me. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yes, so uh, the um, the version she got me was the UK bonus edition, which I think is going to be something which I'll talk about a little bit later on because unfortunately that is not on spotify or streaming services yeah. but is that the version that has be... eight additional tracks including remixes and yes. all that sort of thing? Oh, yes, yeah yes, well yes. two of them are videos so they were like it okay. was a cd rom as well but um yeah we'll talk about that that, that in a little bit um it basically is, it is still available on um amazon if you are willing to part with some actual money for uh music but then who does that these days ridiculous i don't know well i'll tell you what um I might be telling you that it's worth doing that in a little bit. Um, so, yeah, so the album came out. As you said, it did get some pretty fucking spectacular uh, scores. I mean, I'm just looking at it now. Alternative Press, 5 out of 5, which seems mad now when you think what Alternative Press is now. Um, Drowned in Sound, 10 out of 10. Yeah, 8.3 on Pitchfork. I've got the Drowned in Sound review in front of me, and it is very superlative um at one even mojo gave it five, four out of five yeah at one point the uh mike diver from drowned in sound says um listening to this record in sequence is comparable to the best sex ever Bloody um hell. i like this record but i do question mike diver's uh sexual uh not appetite experiences experiences yeah yeah, yeah. uh mm. if, if that's the case i like and and i do well, I, like I, this album but you know i mean I question yours when uh, you say something like that. You regularly do. I do like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go into this, but um, that's fine. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, as soon as I put it on, I was like, because, you know, I thought oh, I've been given this album. Obviously, this was 2000, early 2005. So it's still a time where, you know, I, I, I wasn't downloading stuff for free at that point. I don't even think I had a laptop back in those days. I don't think I, I no. don't think I had the internet in my house. This is my so, yeah. This is my first year at drama school, so I didn't have any yeah. of that either. Yeah. So I was very, very definitely still living within the physical world. So mm. if somebody bought me a CD, of course I was going to listen to mm. the whole album because mm, mm, mm. it's just out of politeness as much mm. as anything. But it's a new album that you don't get the chance to do. I didn't wasn't earning very much money then. I didn't have a lot of money to spend on CDs, and um, you know I had a little listen to it and. Straight away, I was like, ah, this isn't really what I thought it was going to be at all. Did this you think, is... what did you think it was going to be? Did you think it was going to be lighter? I thought it was going to be like a sort of, yeah, like a lo-fi garage mm. kind of, you know, hipster punk thing. Mm. They use that word punk. I mean, the, the Libertines, like just for a bit of... Um, a bit of context at the moment the libertines have been trending on twitter in the uk over the past sort of 48 hours and the amount of times i have read the word punk in conjunction with the libertines um now i'm sure just you know smashing up people's flats in camden and doing loads of meth might be punk rock but being a smackhead doesn't make you a punk <laughs> no, <laughs> you no. i mean i'm saying that just to get away from the subject but certainly in terms of what the libertines sound like oh they were the punkiest band like there's people going oh yeah the mosh pits were crazy it's like i just don't think they were actually guys they're not the libertines are not a punk band but the the word punk was used in association with that band so much do you um, know what we that, that, that all of those bands it just when somebody said punk and it came out of the nme i was like okay right we sure yeah yeah quite um we i don't think we've ever discussed this but there are very few bands on the planet that i despise more than the libertines i don't think oh they're ab ab abhorrent bands. they're an absolute abomination yeah they're absolutely awful um i don't want to talk about them frankly what no, I was just using them as a as an example of something which is held up as oh. punk rock. And to, uh, and to be and to be fair, it's a good example for 2004, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I put it on, I was like, oh, right, okay, this is actually kind of noisy and loud and full of feedback and aggression and power, like hardcore and punk is is meant to be. Well, I think the key thing is. Um, even though it could have easily been misinterpreted as a more indie record from the people, c considering the people who were bigging it up, this is absolutely mm -hmm. a rock record. Like, yeah, for sure. Undoubtedly, 100%. This is rock. Mm -hmm. I think so. Um, and yeah, it's. Uh they make, they do that thing, like I think the best two pieces do, where they make you go, how is this only two people? Mm -hmm. yeah 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 i mean like it's a hell of a lot of noise you've for got two people you've got um uh oh who is it jesse sebastian um playing yeah. drums and vocals oh mm -hmm. no sorry uh sebastian granger uh oh i'm yeah. i'm mixing them both up and then uh jesse f keeler jesse keeler yeah jesse keeler does bass and synthesizer as well um and mm. yeah it does give this massive massive sound but then the other thing that's so so brilliant about two pieces is it also sort of focuses your attention because because they can only ever really deal with sort of one riff at a time um it really hones everything in on that riff and and goes this is the thing that you are meant to be paying attention to right now mm. uh and you know haggard cat do that brilliantly death from above do that brilliantly white stripes do that brilliantly when they want to rock um mm. even royal blood when they feel like it you know I think royal blood, blood yeah are, yeah yeah uh, definitely uh, yeah. this actually is um feels like i mean royal bloods when people were going mad for it i was a little bit like didn't death from above just kind of do this but way less polite yeah <laughs> 10 years before i yeah. i i quite like royal blood i think they're absolutely fine but um this is far superior to royal blood mm. absolutely um so yeah i mean well reviewed um especially for a rock record at the time as well yep score uh, of 82 on metacritic which is very yeah, high very good very very high indeed and um and it felt a little bit like i mean i think this is the thing is that i didn't really know where to put it 
because it was being you know kind of co-opted by the atp and the pitchforky the the more indie fan it mm. was kind of being co-opted by that but also at the same time it was so heavy that they were you know they were touring with my chemical romance they went out on tour with queens of the stone age um which actually was their last tour before they split up the queens of the stone age one um but it just still felt like they were more interested in being part of our scene and our world than it did the indie world, even though the indie world were the ones who were really clambering over them. I don't really remember Kerrang! or particularly, well, I don't think Metal Hammer even covered them, but I don't remember them getting much attention, particularly from Kerrang!'s or Rock Sounds at all, really. Uh, no, um, neither do I. I mean, I at this point, because I was a student, I could kind of only pick up Kerrang! every so often. Um, so I might have missed it. But no, I don't recall them getting coverage in Kerrang! at all at the time. I think the only time I really remember them being in Kerrang! was when they... I think I said to you the other day when we were about to... Like, we decided we were going to do this record. Is that I mean, I saw them at the Scala on this run and they were fucking great. Um, but they'd been doing a cover of Mother by Danzig live and getting <laughs> Gerard Way f- Gerard Way from My Chemical Romance to come out and sing oh, Mother nice, with them. Nice. And they didn't do they didn't actually do that at the Scarlet show that I was um that I was at unfortunately. Uh, but they've been doing it a lot. Um quite what Gerard Way was doing hanging around with them just on tour all the time. I don't know. But um but yeah, like that would have been fucking great. Mm. And I can't find any evidence of it either. Oh. Did you dream I don't it? Think, uh, no, I didn't. I'm sure I I have a copy of Kerrang that goes, and then Gerard Way comes out and they do Mother by Danzig, hmm. and I was like, oh, amazing. That would have but, been cool. That would have sounded amazing. That would have, yeah, like, I think I'd so. Love the idea of that band covering Mother. Hmm. That would have been awesome. But they were they were great because I was always I was a bit like ah, two pieces. It's hard to be a two piece with a singing drummer and be good, really mm. good live. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's hard. Like I've, we, I've seen the 68 a bunch of times and obviously mm. that's somebody who used to be in fucking um, The Chariot, one of the great live bands ever. And I've seen the 68 be really good, but it's just hard. It's hard when there's only two of you and one of you's drumming to visually be that interesting. Do you know what I mean? True. I mean, you know, I know I um, big them up a lot, but I- I've seen Haggard Cat a lot and they've never been bad live, you know, so no, it's possible. But it's it's not about being bad. It's about being, I mean, you definitely, it's harder. Like it's harder yeah. for Matt on his own, you know, like when it, without, you know, Johnny and Paul, when yeah. it, not to make the direct comparison, but obviously there's a lot more like, oh my God, when you yeah. when you saw Heck yeah. than there was when you saw Haggard Cat. Yeah. Um, there's there's much more of the Chariot than there was when you see six, when you would see the 68. Yeah. Um, but Death and Above are probably, having seen the, those guys, having seen Royal Blood, having seen the White Stripes, having seen uh, Monkey Boy, who kind of predate all these bands, having seen Winnebago Deal, for me... Death and Above are the, they are the best duo I've ever seen live. Really? Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Um, man, oof! Not even thought about that. Um, I've never <clears throat> seen Lightning Bolt though. To be fair, I would probably give it to the White Stripes if I'm totally honest. But I thought Death from Above were excellent when I saw them live. I've only seen them live once at that Brixton show. Um, a few. Um, Oh god, I'd like—I think it was about three years ago. Um, supported by Turbo Wolf. Um, yeah, but and I yeah, I thought they were excellent. But when I saw the White Stripes uh, headline, Reading actually, I wasn't a White Stripes fan at the time, and I was so bold, bold away by how good they were live that I basically became a fan overnight and bought all of their records, which at that point was everything up to and including elephant i believe um so i would personally give it to the white stripes you seen white stripes live surely yeah a couple of times yeah okay um, um i think jack white is fucking incredible mm-hmm. um but i do think death and above are better because i mean it was stuff like you know i don't think meg white brings as much to the party let's be perfectly honest i don't think meg white brings as much to the party as jack white does um she always gets a bad rap meg white and there's there's obvious reasons as to why but you know what i will say about her is 
I don't think a quote-unquote good drummer would make Jack White's riffs any better than no. would make them sound any better. It's a bit, it's a bit like the thing that Lars Ulrich always says in that, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm paraphrasing him, but I'm not the best drummer in the world, but I'm the best guy in the world at making James Hetfield's riffs sound good. Uh, mm. He said something along those lines. Um, and I do, I kind of feel the yeah, same Yeah, and then download, with... 2000, then download 2006 happened and everyone saw Dave Lombardo and Joe Jordanson. They went, you're actually not, mate. That is, that is <laughs> true. And I, and I was at that gig and it was fucking excellent. Um, but um, but uh, no, I think there's a similar thing with Meg White and Jack White, to be fair. And, and, you know, she does get a really bad rap, but I actually think that her simplicity brings out the brilliance in Jack's riffs a lot of the time. So, well, that's fair enough. But I tell you what, she doesn't do is she doesn't forward flip into the front row um, like Sebastian Granger did with the mic. He doesn't get held up and go over to the mix, stand on the mixing desk while um, your bandmate is keeping the synth part going and sing a song from like the middle of the crowd, which is what he did. And I was like, for that's a cool. two piece mm. for a two piece, you know if you've got five people one of them can put the guitar down and jump in the crowd or the vocalist can fuck off somewhere when you're the vocalist and you're also the drummer mm. and you just unplug your mic you just take your mic out of the stand and leave your drum kit and fuck off to the back of the the, the room that's really cool mm. and i mean i didn't i haven't seen them at brixton and i didn't see them at brixton and like you have in their kind of comeback so i don't know um i don't want to make comparisons to you know at the drive-in or numerous other bands that have come back and are not quite you know and, and are not as good like i imagine i'm not saying they're bad like i would say i'm sure refused were better mm. mm-hmm. in 1997 than they were in you know 2012 but i only saw them in 2012 mm. so that's mm. the only sort of you know uh example of it i have I, I have no comparative point for it but i wonder if they're still as good as they were you know sort of 13 years before well not many bands are they didn't do that at brixton um and all i can comment on is what i know and that it is the only time i've, I've seen them live mm. i thought they were excellent i'll say this as well um believe it or not and this does seem like a really silly thing to say uh, but at the time i primarily went for turbo wolf um and sort of sort of hung around for death from above because i think at that point uh, I definitely had the physical world and I'd heard Outrage uh, is, oh God, Outrage is high? What was it? Outrage is now. Outrage is now uh, a couple of times, but that was it. Um, and I'm fucking glad I stuck around. Um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I I was actually there primarily for Turbo Wolf. So oh, um, okay. yeah, um, I mean, I didn't, they weren't like coming out into the crowd or anything like that, but they they were fucking great. They were really mm. good. And it was one of those gigs which made which made me go back to both of those records that I had and listen to them far more and become far more of a fan than I already was. That's cool. I mean, as I said, you know, it, the weird thing about Death Above 1979 is that it fizzled out so quickly originally. Yeah. Um, they released the album uh, and they split up kind of just over a year after like maybe a year and a bit um after they after they actually so what was it the album came out in october 2004 and they split up in august 2006 Mm -hmm. um so you know and that's officially because and they did have uh a quite a long period of um of not really doing very much before you know the news officially came out so uh yeah it it sort of it sort of happened and they got a lot of hype and then i thought you know they're going to become one of these bands who just were there for a blip and then they were they were gone again like who's another band that have done that um like snot Mm -hmm. right great debut album getting a bit of hype thought of as you know, they're going to be a sort of hot new band. Lead singer passes away before the second album came out, just gone. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. awful. But um, yeah, I, I never really knew why. And I think because obviously, you know, in the age of the sort of the, not the age 
pre-internet, but the age of the internet being as omnipresent as it is now, mm. you didn't really, you wouldn't get up daily updates like you would do now. So they just sort of stopped doing stuff and there's their website, which lay dormant for a bit. And then one day you did get this like, oh, the, you know, they, they split up. And then I, I never knew why they split up or how they split up particularly um, until I recently, if you go on Amazon Prime, the documentary uh, Life After Death from Above 1979 is on there and it's really good. And I thought, oh man, I should watch that because it kind of details their comeback really. But and obviously it has to tell the, the past to show the, 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 the kind of comeback. And they really fell out. Oh really? Like... They really, really, really fell out, those two. And you can see how they just completely stopped communicating. Like, they would walk off the stage and walk past each other in a corridor and go, good show. And that would be the only words they said to each other mm. all day. Um, and at the time, they were, I think they were, they were opening for Queens of Stone Age and Nine Inch Nails, or Queens of Stone Age or Nine Inch Nails. I know they did, they did both of those tours. So, but I think it was with them together. And... They were the opening band playing these massive arenas and going down really well from what you could see. I mean, you know, as an opening band, there's some there's some footage of some of those shows. And you're talking about like 20,000 people in a massive arena in America and they are getting like big, big, big whoops and cheers at the end of it because they're just great live, mm, you know. Mm. And um, they seem to be going down really well, but also absolutely hating being each other's company um so you get to see a little bit of that in the film um and it's sort of the first time that i knew that that was sort of what happened because how could you ever know what happened back in those days these things aren't they, they weren't really big enough for it to be front page news mm. and the internet wasn't so omnipresent that we got these constant updates about what was going on with death and Love 1979 like you probably would do now mm. Um, I was so, completely unaware of all of this to to mm. um, to back up your point. I I didn't know any of this at all. So yeah, yeah. So yeah, they they badly fell out, mm. which is uh, a real shame. But obviously they've come back. But but with that, what it meant was uh, the thing about a band sort of disbanding and disappearing. I find it's not true in every case. Like who's another another good example? Actually, is um people are going to roll their eyes as soon as i say it but curb dog on the turn came out they never even toured that record i love that record so much um and i just waited all the time for them they're going to tour they're going to tour and you know no words came through as to why they weren't playing and what was going on and you know you find out years and years down the line that they had all these problems with their label and management and all this sort of stuff happened but i still love the album enough to continue playing it when death from above disappeared because it was such a kind of quick like they're there and they're gone I rarely listen to the record unless I actually was going through drawers of CDs and I happened upon it and I went, oh yeah, Death mm. Above 1979. Mm. That's cool. Mm. So I haven't really listened to this record other than I probably smashed it for a good seven or eight months, I reckon, mm. and then found a real sweet spot of it that I love and have barely played it. Played it maybe, I, I did play it, I actually played it at work couple of years ago when i was working in an office um full of people who did not want to hear this <laughs> <laughs> but i was like oh that album's great i'm gonna put that on and it, it didn't it lasted about five tracks before it got sort of shouted down but yeah i haven't really listened to it that much as much as i think i might have done if they'd have become the big band that everyone sort of predicted that they were going to be mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um at the time so coming back to this even though i feel very like it's very familiar to me it's sort of like uh, it's like putting on an old pair of shoes or something that you haven't worn for years, and you go, "Ah, oh, it still fits me." Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I mean the thing with this kind of um, retro retro garage rock sound is it doesn't really date. You know, there's too many simple elements to it to for it to feel date. You know, the white stripes don't really date, do they? You know, no, um, because they're taking something their influences are from so far back that it just feels like that those influences have permeated rock music in 
uh, I mean, they are the very DNA of rock music. You know, those influences that they take, stuff like Howlin' Wolf and Blind Willie McTell and, uh, oh God, um, Robert Johnson and all that kind of thing. So um, I think, um, yeah, I think, I think records like this are always going to sound big and powerful because because in in this case less really is more you know um even though even though they they you know they don't really sound like a two piece at all because they do sound massive but they're like i say because there is that um concentration on the the riff and that is the thing that is the king in most of these songs um that just doesn't date brilliant riffs do not date you know so yeah it's true and there are some absolutely fucking oh, brilliant riffs on this record some stonkers yeah, yeah yeah got any particular favorites that you want to shout out well the first track that i already have um mm-hmm. uh black... a bit of piano at the start of that you like that as well, i love too? a bit of piano me and it get and it starts very very quietly and then goes very mm-hmm. very loud you know i like mm-hmm. that really like black history month yeah uh, i think that's cool um what else do i like Cold War, I like a lot. Cold War's fucking great. Oh yeah, yeah. Cold War's really, really good. Uh, I mean, the, there isn't there isn't a bad track on this record. Um, I like the title track. You're a woman, I'm a machine. Mm-hmm. Blood on our hands is fantastic. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, Blood on our hands is just a fucking all time rager. I know it probably seems like if you're a fan and an obvious one to pick. But the reason why I think the reason why the singles are Black History Month, Blood in Our Hands and Romantic Rights is because they are the most disco-fied, catchy, massive, stompy, anthemic ones on the record for me. Like they've they've they pick they pick the singles very well, I think, on this record. Do you know what I will say? I, I didn't know Romantic Rights was a single and I'm ever so slightly surprised by that. But um oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, why am I surprised by that? I don't know, but I can't put into thoughts why. Can't put into words why I am. I mean that just that don't 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 that is a massive riff. I guess so. I suppose for me, the only reason it suffers, uh, Turn It Out is by far my favourite song on this record, the the first song on the album. Mm. And I think it just suffers from coming after that because Turn It Out is so fucking good. Um, So Turn It Out wasn't a single. No, it wasn't. Although they did open their set with it. In fact, actually, well, we'll talk about them playing Coachella in a minute, but there's a really good scene in the, um, uh, in, in the, the documentary where, the piano part that is sampled, which is their intro music for Coachella, keeps playing when <laughs> the guy's like checking their synth thing and he keeps playing the the ding, ding the, and the crowd keeps going, yeah! And then he, he and they're both stood backstage going, no, no! Like, because it's their intro take. He's like, no, no, we're not on for another 15 minutes. No, he's like, turn it off. Get and they're going mental because <laughs> this guy keeps playing their intro tape and then stopping it. And the crowd are like, yeah! And then when they finally do just come on, they're like, the crowd are like, oh god, this is good. Oh, they are. Oh, oh, they are actually, <laughs> they are actually like, playing. Fucking, yeah, they're like, what? A f-? And they're just like, it's such a fucking, you know, disastrous thing. That's a spinal. To, that's a spinal tap start. moment, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, proper spinal tap moment. Yeah, I think it's a great record. But what I'm going to say, Renfrey, mm-hmm. is that the UK bonus CD uh, is full of covers. Now it's got um, La Peste, um, better off, de- uh, the, the better off dead La Peste cover. Which I don't really know if that's what that is exactly. It's a remix. Um, most of them are remixes. So there's a Justice remix of Blood in Our Hands. Errol Alkin's Love from Below re-edit of Romantic Rights. Um, the uh, the the Mistcraft edition of Little Girl. Um, there's you're lovely, but you got Mastercraft. Yeah, sorry. Um, you're lovely, but you got a lot of problems. Is a is a sort of new song video for Romantic Rights and Blood in Our Hands. Um, do it 93 live in rio so it's a sort of little odds and sods collection yeah, yeah. but those remixes are absolutely fucking incredible in fact oh, yeah. i would say blood on our hands justice uh remix justice remix and particularly the um errol okan's love from below re-edit of romantic rights are actually better than the versions you hear on the record oh right interesting mm. okay those are i mean that blood in our hands uh that just like i mean i really like justice and what he does with blood in our hands by turning it into this kind of throbbing electro song is just 
absolutely it's brilliant and those that kind of like little disco beat that the the, the, the band have is amped up to kind of a billion percent on those remixes and yet they don't suffer from taking any of the aggression away they're really really good so if you can get the uk bonus cd it's really i'm, I'm not going to say it's better than the album because it's only really six songs and yeah. one of them's a live track and one of them's a, a you know a, like an extra kind of bonus b-side thing but the remixes are fucking brilliant on that and it's rare because how often do you be like, oh, it's a remix? Like, do you remember the 90s when you'd buy a single and you'd be like, oh, the beautiful people, Charlie Clouser remix, and you'd listen to it and it was just loads of like crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Electronic like throbs I, and then a, a, the, the, the chorus like repeated over and over again. Yeah, I, I have absolutely no love for the remix at all, generally. Mm. It is very, very seldom that I am into a remix. I... 99% of the time, I'd be happy to say, they just remind me of how great the original song is and just make me want to listen to the original song. Um, yeah. But there are occasions where um, they are really fucking good. There's been a few great Mogwai remixes. Um, mm -hmm. I, You know, a bit of an odd one. I really love Moby's remix of um, Dusty by Soundgarden. It's fucking great. That remix uh, i've got that but i cannot remember what it sounds like it's great it's really really good um but i could name i could name the amount of remixes that i like that i really genuinely like probably on one hand is that on just to go back to moby's remix of dusty is that on the pretty new single i can't i think remember. it is it may well it's be pretty pretty new or burden in my hand it's one or the other i think that's on because i definitely own that it, and I've always skipped it. Oh, it's great. It's really good. It's a really good remix. I mean, um, the version I have is on um, Soundgarden released like a three track. It's weird that we're talking about B-sides a lot these last couple of days. Um, like a three track B-sides and rarities collection called Echo of Miles, I think it's called. And that's the version. Mm, yeah, I remember it's on, that. It's on that. Um, okay. Uh, but yeah, I love that remix. It's fucking great. Oh. Okay, fair enough. Well, anyway, as I say, the remixes on this became the CD that I would put in more than I'd put in the album Interesting. for a little bit. I will say, mm. um, it, it the, the version you're talking about, uh, as we record this, uh, very much is available. I mean, I'm probably going to pick up a copy uh, in a moment. But um, yeah, the, it's very much available. And the, the one I'm looking at at the moment is very reasonably priced as well. So, so it is very well, actually. Available. You can get um, Errol Alcan's Love from Below re-edit of Romantic Rights on Spotify. Okay. That is on Spotify as a single, but I don't think... I mean, particularly the Blood in Our Hands Justice remix is really fucking awesome. So do go and have a listen to that uh, if you get a chance. And I would say pick this album up in its kind of UK bonus CD edition if you can. Um, yeah, great records. Like, really, really great records. Mm. Uh, a bit weird. I mean, I think it is just literally because um they vanished and i kind of forgot about them even when they got back together i was again probably it's that whole thing about being you know 2014 the album the, the next album came out at that point i was on the radio yeah. uh, on team rock writing for metal hammer and it was not really the sort of thing that ever would have flown um there do you know what i mean it just wouldn't have flown so yeah. i think a lot of stuff passed me by around that period to be fair so that would have just been one of them but i do remember uh the next album coming out and um being like, oh, I should listen to that. But again, the thing that I was doing at that time didn't cover indie music. <sighs> uh, <laughs> must be indie because, you know, if you haven't heard it, then it, it must be indie music. Um, uh, not that I want to get into this too much. Nah, but <laughs> but um, but basically, uh, yeah, um, listening back to this record recently has made me want to go and listen to them again. Because I had oddly just randomly watched that documentary. Just randomly one afternoon went, oh, I'm going to watch that. Mm. And I was like, oh, they're really fucking good. Yeah. Really fucking good. And I think the kind of, the thing that they say in that documentary, which does seem like a shame, is that they had that, This that was their first go at making that record. Do you know what I mean? That record was made um, as their first sort of attempt. They'd only been a band for about, you know, 14 months before that album dropped. Right. And 
they were saying how you know they hadn't really got a proper feel of what the band was and this was just sort of their their first effort at trying to get something cohesive and they were picked up by atlantic records yeah led zeppelin's led zeppelin's label yeah, yeah. and they were on tour with queens of stone age and nine inch nails and you know they were getting all this all these amazing reviews should say and as well just quickly atlantic had just had a massive hit with the darkness's uh, debut album as well so so yeah while you say they were zeppelin's um label they were you know very much still a big deal at this point in time as well so yeah, yeah of course yeah. i mean well if you think today a band signed to atlantic from our scene now yeah. you, that would just be that would be a big deal. I mean, oh, we yeah. talked about dinosaur, you know, dinosaur Pileup being a, a, a band who are on a major label, and yeah. we were like, "Wow, yeah. <laughs> you know, a rock band on a major label—that's yeah. mad." Yeah. Um, so, yeah, pretty crazy that they went over to Atlantic, and I think there was a real sense of disappointment from Atlantic that they never got the opportunity to release something by Death from Above 1979 because I think they would have really pushed them. Mm, yes quite possible especially considering well especially considering what i just said especially considering the massive hit that they just had with the darkness yeah i think they absolutely yeah. would have pushed them yeah yeah and they were seen as a very 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 cool band yes you know they were seen as so. like you can there are a lot of the bands from that period who ended up being a big deal who i mean block party would have come out not soon after this um hmm. who obviously are a very different band but they were selling out the astoria when they were on a you know when they were on beggar's banquet i think and that then they moved to a bigger label and yeah you know this was still the period where major labels would take well-hyped quite odd rock bands and make them massive mm -hmm. you know the white stripes are massive the strokes mm -hmm. are massive and you know that neither of those bands and block party are massive and none of those bands were necessarily doing a particularly obvious thing at that point and death and above weren't either so yeah it's um it's a bit of a shame that they didn't get to to follow it up um immediately immediately yeah 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 it mm. is it is yeah although you know they're pretty sizable now i mean i well, as much as i like this band um seeing them at brixton was great i wouldn't want to see them at a venue much bigger than brixton um which is around four thousand five thousand cap for those outside yeah. london um i i wouldn't particularly like black keys these days play arenas more often mm. than not especially in this country they're not really a two-piece anymore though really are they well that's true but i, I mean, still not like, on stage there's loads of them yeah yeah but well well i think i think that's the thing i think you i think black keys probably when they were getting that big had to think right we can't just do a two-piece thing you know in a show that big it's just not going to be interesting i think that's the reason why i hold white stripes in such high regard because my expectations were very very low for the white stripes honestly and it was partly because they were a two-piece headlining reading festival and i was like well how is this going to be interesting and i and it was one of they were one of the best sets of the entire weekend that i saw that weekend mm. yeah. so you know um but i think that is very rare that a band would be able to do that yeah i mean the sort of the clamor for that band for for death and above obviously grew in the the five-year period that they weren't around because Again, the the documentary starts with them playing their first show back at South by Southwest Festival in Texas, uh, right. playing in a tent in a tent which holds about a thousand people, and people outside the venue basically <laughs> smash the venue down and 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 try and cram themselves in to the point where the police have to come and shut the show down, and oh, it actually wow. made it actually made like the news in sort of local texas um news stations showing bits of them going oh the punk band death and above 1979 had their show shut down they had to pull the plug on them because you know so their first show back lasted about two minutes oh wow i had no idea yeah that's amazing yeah um and then they played uh they played coachella do you know who was above where they were positioned on the main stage at Coachella Rimfrey in 2011. Again, oh. just to give you an idea of the size. I don't know. So they were third from top 
Wow. On their comeback show. Do you know who was above them? Two acts above them? No, go on. Duran Duran and Kanye West. Oh, wow. My uh, jaw just dropped. Uh, yeah. For people listening. Wow, that's incredible. Holy shit. That's pretty mad. Yeah. yeah. It's all in that documentary. You want to watch that documentary? Yeah, I'm going it's to. It's really good. Sounds great. Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, and them going like, yeah, they've just said uh, <laughs> they want to put us on just before Kanye West and Duran Duran. It's pretty weird, isn't it? <laughs> like, to be, I mean, again, it's another one of those things where this band hasn't been doing shows or doing anything for years and years and years. And then their reputation has their sort of legend has, has uh, increased, has gathered, yeah. you know, kind yeah. of traction in the, in their, them being away. But, you know, I'm kind of glad for, it. I think, you know, it's a really, really good record. Yeah. Really good record. Yeah. It's awesome. It's really, really good. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, if I discovered this, uh, 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 with a few more listens, this may well become my favorite death from above record potentially it's not at the moment because i've heard it you know four or five times but um yeah with a few more listens this may well become my favorite it's really fucking good yeah very good i, I will listen to the other ones yeah honestly. you should you should i definitely should i mean i don't really like i say i don't really know why i haven't because mm. i did really like them the first mm. time around but i think i just just again they, they they were a weird little curio of a band who existed in this like microcosm of time to mm. me mm. And it almost feels weird them coming back, but them coming back and being so big that they can headline Brixton Academy and stuff where, you know, I was getting them when they were hitting the very end of their touring schedule and the hype was as big as it kind of got during the time they were together. And they still only sold out the Scala, which Mm. holds a thousand people, 800 Uh, people. I think it's 1200, but yeah. yeah. 1200. Yeah. So, you know, so that times five in 2017, you know. Yep. without really releasing the records releasing one comeback record at the time and yeah it's pretty fucking decent um so there you go uh that is our chat on you're a woman i'm a machine by death from above 1979 good pick from james corbett and as i said if you are interested in this band i think you should go and watch the documentary life after death from above 1979 which is available on amazon prime it's very very interesting um as are many of the documentaries on Amazon Prime. There's some good shit on there. Mm. Yeah, there is, isn't there? Yeah. The one about death. you watched the one about death yet? No, but I want to. Oh, you want to watch that? It's really good. Uh, anyway, we'll be back another time um, with another Rioters review, probably talking about something really different. Yes, like, I imagine so. Looking at the list here, probably Candlebox. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we should do Candlebox. Shall we we do should candle do box? Candlebox. Yeah, yeah. We can do Candlebox. That'd be a laugh. I mean... I'll be a lot to talk sure. about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, we're doing yeah, Candlebox we'll... next. I've decided right. we're doing Candlebox next. Fuck we're it. doing Candlebox. Cheers. Rich Hobson has picked Candlebox. So I oh, appreciate hello, Rich. that, Rich. Uh, uh, he's also picked Tears for Fears. Oh. I'd happily do that. Okay. Fucking hell. Um, well, anyway, yeah, we'll be back box. next time. Tough. But we're doing, can- <laughs> we're doing Candlebox. Great. Um, we're doing Candlebox. Okay, cool. Um, as I said, if you're listening to this for free, go over to our Patreon page. Donate. And if it's over five pounds, you get access to the uh, the riot. Not only the rioters reviews, but also our classic album series as well. Um, and they are going to be coming thick and fast with some fucking awesome podcasts coming out with some awesome albums. Um, that is patreon.com forward slash right act podcast. But for the meantime, I bid you adieu. See you later. Bye. <laughs>